Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know, at our podcast, we all wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women, as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So, if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment, or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify, and Google. It will make a huge differences to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, y'all! This is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And this is Asian Bitches Down Under in quarantine. Yeah. Uh, Sydney has entered its second lockdown and we're uh, like in the last stretch of it, aren't we? Yeah, we're in the second Monday and we're just catching up after a little break that we decided. We thought that it's going to be a school holiday, Jess is going to be at her writer's residence and we're going to take a break and then suddenly we're all <laughs> heading into the lockdown yeah. last weekend. Yeah, it was very sudden, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, so, I saw it coming. Yeah, did so, you? Yeah, the restriction wasn't placed hard enough at the beginning. Right. I, I thought that it will have a really snap lockdown, but it took like three or mm. four days for the government to actually announce a proper lockdown. Mm. But I don't feel like it's a proper lockdown because I still yeah. see... Like a lot of people posting on social media, like the park is full of people, yeah, the bush totally. walk is full of people, and yep. so I mean, there's nothing wrong going out, of course, but it just, just so it happens that it always seems so interesting that when there's no lockdown, everyone's stuck at home and there's empty beaches and empty yeah. parks, and then once the lockdown is announced, everyone's like freaked out and gets out yeah. into the you know, yeah. <laughs> the, into the parks, yeah. Yeah, so um, we were around um, Marrickville and Mall, Newtown this weekend, and um, we passed a lot of um, parks. And mm-hmm. it was honestly, Helen, it looked like a typical Saturday. <laughs> there were like people picnicking. There were people at the tennis Marrickville tennis club. Wow! Like there was just it was such such a normal appearing in a West mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, yeah. You could not think you would you would not be able to tell that it was a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, also there was like pa- there were panic buying just before the six oh, p.m. Yeah. the announcement right. of six p.m. lockdown on that Saturday, mm. and I just wondered why you like after the <clears throat> sorry after the whole year of pandemic, I thought that people would know that the stores and the supermarket remains open regardless if it's like right. a really hard lockdown. Yeah, and it's too panic buying. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. Be, I think it's instinctual, and you never know. I feel like um, everything is so uncertain these days that um, anything could change at any possible moment. So people just kind of like take the sort of the the most precautionary route, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But I was very lucky. Me and my friend Isel Lim, um, we went down to the Southern Highlands for our writers' residency literally two days before the lockdown. So we escaped Sydney before it was completely <laughs> locked down. And we were on this like really big estate, which had a farm and a couple of gardens. And it was like quite strange to be so isolated. And in such a, I like uh, aesthetically, it was like the most perfect paradise I've, I'd ever been in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was strange to be in such a beautiful place while everyone I loved was back home, like being in lockdown. <laughs> so I felt really conflicted sending all my friends and my partner all these beautiful pictures of cows and, and like 
beautiful lakes and ponds and all that. Waterfall. Like, yeah, for waterfalls while people were like stuck in their homes. But uh, it was a very regenerative two weeks for me. Like I really appreciated just being able to not do, like just to have that texture of my life change for two weeks mm-hmm. and to focus on my own next book was really invigorating. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And Helen, um, school holidays, you've been in hell, haven't you? <laughs> it is rather difficult for the kids when it's um, school holidays and lockdown. And I see a lot of parents probably listening to this and rolling their mm. eyes and feeling the same as me because, I mean, well, there's not much. I mean, there they are changes to what we've been doing compared to the previous school holiday when it's not locked down because we try to avoid going out. <clears throat> and mm. the kids doesn't come to the shops with me and mm. mostly I actually do most of the online shopping now right and it's just that the I, I try to keep the routine ahead um still feels like a school day you give kids to do something and tell mm. them mm. you can't have you can't have device before a certain time mm. I, I was uh, verbally telling them at the very beginning of the school hard and when we um, heading to the lockdown and I found like oh, two days afterward I thought that that's not going to happen they mm. they are following the rules but they will constantly keep asking me yeah, my, right. especially my younger child will like come in every half an hour oh can I <laughs> even though that she reached the yeah. time but she will yeah. always come and ask you I think that's just like the habit of kids that they think that if they try and push their boundary yeah, a little bit they might yeah. annoying you enough that you're just giving so yeah can i just say that's how um straight white men uh, <laughs> successfully negotiate a high pay rise they just continue to badger until we give in until yeah. someone gives in yeah and that's what women are not used to doing you know like i have never asked for a pay rise in my whole life and i'm in my early 30s mm. and like I'm just like I, any yeah anything to do with money and work. I just like, and and like if if I so should one day see myself asking for a pay rise and I'm denied one, I suspect very strongly that I would never ask again. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I yet, agree with and that. yet, yeah. I feel like with men, uh, it's different. They were just very persistent and asked. Yeah, and they don't take it yeah. personally. I think that's true. Yeah, because also they don't get penalized for asking for a pay uh-huh. rise. I feel. Yeah. You know? Whereas women or people of minority, there's a there's a subconsciousness that if we ask and we're denied and we have to start worry about, oh, um, will there be punishment afterwards? Yeah, you know, exactly. Are yeah. we going to be replaced? Yeah, you you yeah. have that kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so one of the friend online told me that just write up a like a note or a poster and stick it on a wall and say that. Right, no device after a certain time and no sweets after like <laughs> lunch or something like that. Right, and right. the kids will eventually get to it. So which is good because mm. my child follows that and she stopped coming bothering me while I have to do work and things like That's that. Well, otherwise it, it's really hard, like every half an hour and I I'm sure that parents out there mm. would really feel it too. Like kids mm. just come into you. They don't have a concept of how would, how should I put it? They don't have a concept of knowing to understand that they should leave you alone because they think yeah. that you're at home. That yeah, so you're, you're you should actively be... accessible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit hard for those people, and um, you know, for those parents who's <laughs> working from home. Yeah. 
So um, in terms of reading, um, mm-hmm. Helen, what has been keeping you sane in the last week or so? Okay, so the past week I picked up, uh, I think I've mentioned before, I think I've started reading uh, Mediocre before we went into lockdown. So I'm halfway through. What's, um, who's that by? Mediocre, The Dangerous Legacy of the White Man, White Male pow- Power. Uh, I got this one for you from you, the Ijoma... Alu, how do you pronounce her name? Alua? You know, with yeah, mm. I've got to say, when you're pronouncing people's names, just do it. Uh-huh. Just do okay. it unapologetically, <laughs> and people, yeah. And if you get it wrong, someone's going to tell you. So, yeah. Yeah, Ijoma Oluo and mm-hmm. Wesley Young's "The Souls of Yellow Folk." So those two non-fiction. Yeah. So we- yeah, Wesley Yang is um uh is like a very famous kind of cultural critic from the US. Mm-hmm. And um, the book that I gave Helen ages ago, <laughs> I've read that book so many times, um, is a collection of stories um, from his writing in the last mm-hmm. decade or so. Um, one particular, the most famous one, is the one in which he profiles the, the shooter of uh, the uh, Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2005 mm-hmm. he shot those people. Yeah. That, that was right? the very first essay in the book about the right, shooter yeah. and kind of in relation of the incels and how things yep. build up for the Asian men in Western culture, the mm, things that mm. they've been denied. Um, I think he's looking from the perspective of the those, how would you say them, perpetrators because, of course, he ended yep. up killing people. Yeah. Mm. But at the same time, he explores issues that will potentially creates those situations because how the mm. western world sees asian men as in there mm. is a certain hierarchies within the male world amongst them that because asian men has always been seen as less powerful and more mm. feminized and mm. they're more focused on if you just see media how how the media entertainment industry portrays asian men usually they will come out as like what nerds the mm, ones that tend yeah. to get bullied yeah 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 they're like short they're slim they wear glasses yeah it's like a horrifying stereotype that still continues today and yeah, yeah wesley yang he published a, a few years ago now so that essay is quite book of essays is quite mm-hmm. old um, so Helen, you've been doing a lot of like reading on racial theory and heavy academic leaning oh, really? stuff. Have you have you been reading anything just to chill out? Like, do you? Oh have yeah. Um, I I don't think that leisure. I, I don't know if it's a chill out because I picked a fiction book which is ages ago, but mm. I only started reading uh, over the weekend. It's called uh, Aosawa's Murders by Rinko. I don't have the book right here with me. Mm. Uh, the first name Rinko. Anyway, Aosawa's Murder is a Japanese crime novel, the first crime novel mm. written by this female writer. And I'm cool. only like one chapter in, but it seems quite interesting. Mm. The way that she laid out her work is that she seems like she's communicating to the reader at the same time she is telling the story. So she's a storyteller, mm, right. but she's also communicating to her reader at the same time because you'll see sentences like she's describing she's walking through a garden and then there will be a sentence 
like you know as a reader that she's directly communicating as you like the sentence will be mm. did you see the tree over there yes it's blah 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 yeah so it's quite mm, mm. you right. get quite a personal connection to her writing which is right. good like you oh, really immerse yeah. into the environment of what she's telling mm. about yeah mm. yeah yeah i'm on on helen's recommendation um, in line with her mention of Japanese lit, I have tried to finish Breast and Eggs. Mm. It's fucking too long. <laughs> it's really long, yeah. Oh my god, it is so long. I'm listening to it on audio. Oh, okay. It's like fucking 18 hours. Um, I think it's too long, mm-hmm. but so far, that's all my comment is. I mean, it explores really interesting issues about, you know, um, donor sperm and I mean Helen's talked about Mm. a lot Um, so I endeavour to finish it I have finished my um, latest review book for SMH Um, it's called The Winter Road by Kate Holden and I would recommend it like nothing else um, I have ever recommended uh, to all those listeners out mm-hmm. there. It's not something I would usually pick up. I picked it up because I was um, asked to review it. <laughs> but uh, I, I would say, hands down, it is the best Australian book I've read since Helen Garner's This House of Grief, oh, which yeah. I think is quite old yeah, now, right? It is a um, but it's older work. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the, the Winter Road uh, basically chronicles the uh, story of Glenn Turner's murder mm-hmm. in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was murdered by this guy, this 80-year-old farmer, millionaire, called uh, Ian Turnbull. And um, it talks about the reason and the backstory of what happened. I won't give it away, but uh, I, I remember telling Helen about this a few yeah, years ago. And did. Helen, you said that you had heard yeah, about heard it on the news. Yeah, a, couple of yeah years a lot of people have actually heard about it, but I mm-hmm. had never heard about it. I guess I'm not someone who follows the daily news um, that extremely mm-hmm. diligently, uh, but it's just it's just such seeingly good writing. Mm-hmm. And the, the, for me, there's nothing more um, alluring um, and attractive for me as a reader than good writing. Mm-hmm. You know, just basic, clean, good writing. And Kate Holden is spectacular at doing this. Wow, amazing. How is it compared to Helen Garner's work? Because I read The House of Grief. Yeah, and that yeah. was, I really, really liked it. And I liked how she yeah, yeah. told the story at the same time. She follows up and, you know, the, amongst the... Um, the trials as well. So that was really good. Yeah. yeah. So um, this one is not about... Um, this one is more broad, mm-hmm. I'd say. It's also a psychogeographical study about what it means to own land in mm-hmm. Australia. It talks a lot about agriculture and um, the duty of like who owes what kind of responsibility mm-hmm. to the land yeah. and the sort of arbitrary nature in which the uh, the uh, Native Vegetation Act keeps changing. Yeah. Like um, uh, some t- like um, in the fifties, um, some like a, a set of laws were mandated that meant that clearing xyz vegetation was legal and then in the 80s it became illegal Mm -hmm. and then two years ago it it went back to being legal Mm -hmm. you know so um she not only follows the trial and talks about the story she also um she also writes really broadly about the um conditions of farmers today and the sort of people who work at the office of environment and heritage which is where glenn turner was an officer mm-hmm. compliance officer when he was murdered mm-hmm. uh, i can't recommend this book enough honestly like everyone listening should go out and buy it it's just extraordinary right. yeah i think it's really important to see books like this that because an incident happened and a book that has been published based on this incident, but we get more out of it because we need to mm. know the knowledge and to ex- to the extent of what's really happening 
perhaps exactly like it's not directly associated to us you know with the farms and all that but eventually in in some point of time that i think that we need to know about it because it regard it will re, in regard to the like climate change and all other mm. there's also those sort of intersectionalities that will probably exactly might not connect us directly but indirectly mm. yeah yeah precisely and helen what about our viewing wise okay what are you watching on Netflix or anything like that? I have two things I want to talk okay, about. Okay, really cool. But you okay. go first. So I've actually watched on YouTube. Unfortunately, they don't have the English subtitle and was out on mm. a very limited time. There's a this uh, mm. theater production uh, company in Taiwan called Greenlight. They posted their six productions on YouTube for a very limited time, like forty eight hours for each production. Like what they did oh. last year, similar to I think the Broadway, some of the productions like Hamilton and Phantom of Opera. Oh, okay. They had like forty eight yeah. hours on YouTube where you can watch mm. it. Um, so the production is called Human Conditions. So this they were six productions, one to number one to number six. They came out between I think early two thousand to two thousand and seventeen. I watched only in full the number four and the number six production because I only had like a very limited time to watch. Uh, the director and the screenwriter was is Wu Nianzhen. Uh, the actor mm. who played the dad in your one of your favorite movie, Yi Yi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like he's such a brilliant director in the sense that all the production he had created are very detailed in the ordinary lives of Chinese from the fifties, nineteen fifties, right through the mid uh, twenty ten. So the last production was in twenty fourteen. The six productions are like timelines of Taiwan from the 50s, like I said, the beginning of martial law, 70s and 80s when the economic prosperity was taking off in Taiwan. And then the 2010s, the Generation X is juggling with the responsibility of the care of the elderly parents and their young children of the next generation. Uh, the production usually were intertwined with a lot of social issues in Taiwan during the individual time period and mm. how it impact on the families that the story was playing now. The ones I've watched, production number four, I feel like it's watching like a part of our parents' or grandparents' life. Yeah, how uh, so? Uh, yeah, there was a character uh, who was a Chinese manlander from Shandong, which is where our granddad oh, was yeah. from, who was running his bakery. Yeah. And then a young woman fell pregnant without marriage. She was raped. And a young man uh -huh. who was working hard to establish business and wanted the society to look up to them. And in mm. the uh, production number six, which is the one that I feel most resonated with, it follows like four families, their individual obstacles in life. One couple was trying to conceive. One couple was uh, caring for an elderly father who has been like bedridden for five years because of stroke. Another couple mm. was caring for young children and faced the reality of having the father falling sick. And finally, a young man who was trying to follow his passion rather than working under his father's control in the family business. Uh, the production was really emotional towards the end, especially the part. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to like tear up again where the daughter, the, one of the daughter was announcing that she was getting married after decades of relationship with her boyfriend. And the parents' mm. response was both in joy and sadness. Like, you know how Asian mm. parents, like, they feel like when they want to express their 
joyfulness, they have to、mm. combine with some kind of bantering in it as well. What do you mean by bantering? Like they want to express that they're really happy、um, for their daughter that she's finally getting married、mm. because she's like forty、mm. or something, and the、mm. the parents will start asking her that, oh, but are you going to be financially secure? Like they all have the doubt. I, I feel like with Asian parents, when they want to give you a blessing, they will still question、mm. you about some uncertainty in life. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because um because that is the nature of. Like、um, the way in which that the, they have been raised to show kind of care and affection yeah, and love,、yeah. and can, it comes across as concern or criticism.、Mm-hmm. It can come across as those、yeah. things. And there was another family that when、uh, an elderly father was visiting the daughter, and he was asking her, "Oh, do you have enough money to survive?、Um, because your husband just lost your, lost his job." And she goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm、mm. fine." And that kind of、um, Covering, you know, you know that、mm. you, you know that your your child might not be doing well, but they while they're telling you that they're not, they're actually well, but you can sense that they are not doing well, and right, then right. the the elderly father like kind of secretly、um, hide a packet of money in her shopping grocery、mm. bag. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that、nice. kind of things that um. Asian parents do secretly for their kids that I feel, yeah,、um, not so much directly、uh, is something、uh, characteristics probably a lot of Asian immigrant would feel.、Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a shame that it's no longer running, but I think it's great that they have such kind of initiatives. So, like, keep an eye out for those.、Mm. And Helen, you'll send us the link, even though it's no longer yeah, available. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll post the link of the theater, the production theater. Yeah, because they might they have are having they are the having、future. a new production coming in the August,、mm. and hopefully they will、mm. um, either not maybe not stream live, but probably have it on their YouTube channel once the production is finished. Yeah.、Mm, right. Well,、uh, last week while I was reading furiously and writing, I was like writing eight、mm-hmm. hours a day、um, on my next book. I somehow didn't don't know why because you know how Helen I'm like not a fan of animation yeah, I don't like <laughs> somehow yeah. like on a Monday night I felt like watching something kiddish、uh-huh. in front of the fireplace and so I looked on YouTube and I saw this thing called Wish Dragon okay and yeah, I started yeah, yeah. watching it and it was really cute in the beginning it was really、uh-huh. really adorable because I wanted to watch it because it was like um about a, a kid in China、mm-hmm. and it looked really cute yeah. And、um, so I wanted to see how that would pan out, how the Chinese, you know, teenager would be portrayed portrayed in this animated、mm-hmm. film.、Um, but then it became this story of like basically it's like the Asian Aladdin. Yes. And so instead of the genie, we have a dragon. Instead of a lamp, we, we have, have a teapot. teapot. <laughs> it's really cute, yeah.、Um, but then I stopped watching it twice. I I attempted it. Twice、mm. to watch it because Helen said that her kids were watching it and I wanted to watch it too, but I let go of it because it just was so like I hated the girl character. So the guy has a the main character has a crush on his childhood、uh, best friend, childhood、yeah. best friend,、yeah. and she's now like this、um, daughter of a squizillionaire who's like has daddy issues and she's like very skinny and very kind of perfect on the outside, like docile、mm. and submissive. And I was just like, fuck this, I can't watch this. So Helen, did you finish it? <laughs> I think towards the last half an hour, I was just、um, 
playing my phone and while sitting next to my kids. Well, my my kid likes it. Yeah. Okay, so she, what happened she at really the end? Enjoys it because it's really funny. There's funny scenes of like running around, chasing, um, slipping up. You know, just mm -hmm. those little comical. Kind of a scene, so she laughed a lot. So she she thought that she really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, unfortunately, my thought is the same as yours. I didn't really liked it. I feel like for uh, the same reasons. For the same reasons, halfway through, not even halfway through, when the teapot appeared, I think it was yeah. like ten minutes into the in into the movie. I thought, oh, okay. Geez, this is like Aladdin, isn't it? Yeah, it's not very yeah. original at all. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And I hate it at the very end that you know how the Aladdin spoiler alert. If anyone wants mm. to watch it, you know, skip the next three minutes. Um, and you know how in the letter at the end that Aladdin sets the genie free. Yeah, that's his final wish. So the yeah, genie yeah. was set free, not as a slave, but whether as this movie. I yeah, can't even Marvin. remember what was the final. Oh, I think the the final wish was to save the girl's dad because he was like dying or something like that. Okay. Uh huh. And the dragon was never set free. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it really implies. I feel like it's because this production was um, cooperated with some kind of production company in Beijing as well. So yeah. I'm sure that there's a lot of censorship through CCP. So yeah, I guess totally. <laughs> the turn of freedom is not. Going to be used in this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, God, gross. It was funny. It was funny. If you want something that's you know you yeah. don't really have to Stupid. use a lot of brand cells. Yeah. Um, you can watch it with your kids. Yeah, but you, you're not gonna learn a lot from it. It's not really no. any moral stories, man. I. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I just feel like personally, I can't enjoy something, even if it's dumb. I can't enjoy something if it. Uh, perpetuates a stereotype which I mm. ghastly hate and that is the stereotype of the nice Asian little girl mm -hmm. and it yeah. really perpetuates this in this movie so I just I could not stand that yeah there was, a, there was a, this really funny scene that appeared my son who's 15 going to be 16 soon he walked past behind us mm. he would just come downstairs to get some snacks and he saw the scene I'll just let you know what the conversation was that the mum of the boy was apologising to him by saying something not nice before, like in mm. the previous. Then my son heard her and he went that, this is so unreal. Which Asian mother apologises to their kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. I feel like parents find it hard, in, like regardless of race, race yeah. parents find it hard to apologise to their to their child, right? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard my parents apologise to me. I I also don't think oh, they've yeah. done anything that's... That you think like, it's worth to be apologised Yeah, apologising, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, let's take a break. And we'll be back to talk about Helen's... This week, Helen wants to talk about... Yeah, we'll be talking about exploitation of migrant workers in Australia. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. But um, yeah. Helen's um, piece research is based on this really a tremendous feature article written by who wrote it in the Saturday uh, paper, oh, Helen? It's the Saturday paper published in the monthly magazine mm. by um, yeah. Andrea Dahl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Okay, we'll be right back, guys. 
then we're back, guys. So, Helen, tell us what the general gist of this story is and what, what's happened, who, what, where, when, why is this important right now? Yeah, so just jump in and cut me off anytime if you have any questions sure. or you want to yeah. put in some of your thoughts. So last uh-huh. week, um, I was listening to the 7 a.m. the Saturday Papers podcast with Ruby Jones. So that particular episode explores the incident in regional Victoria of a group of Chinese meat process workers who are being denied of permanent resident, which ensures mm. PR or even mm. visas due to the change and the com- very complicated immigration policies. Mm-hmm. Many have worked there for uh, years and at the same arbitrage doing the laborers and almost like slave-like repetitive work, like slicing. Well, mm. actually, I should have put a content warning before that I've started, sorry. Um, so what I'm going to talk about will be involving yeah. Uh, animal, animal slaughtering cruelty. yeah yeah so okay. i don't know if it's cruelty because i'm not very familiar with the industry okay but just you know let our listener know before that i continue on um anyway so they were involved in very uh repetitive works so of slicing and cutting meats and when they questioned about their status of immigration pr- um, process last year they were told not to question about it or otherwise they'll be replaced by another group of chinese workers so I looked up uh, Andrew Dow's article. Um, it started with um, the advertisement from some Chinese labor recruiters, then followed by the history of arbitrage in the regional Victoria, uh, like the early 1900s, and with the change of health and hygiene and safety standard, the profitability of the company, and also the downfall of the COVID. But mm. they were still very profitable. Yeah. And they continue. It, the article continues on the brief background of the owner of the abattoir, uh, the family McKenna, and of course it's a very usual uh, white male CEO's image of horse racing, loving connection to politicians, and also receiving like Order of Australia for his services to the region. Pretty mm. standard for like a white mm. old. <laughs> male in you know in that certain class mm. and the article continues on to the next section where um, he talks about how the workers turn up daily but not necessarily being selected to work on the day mm. it mm. Re- kind of remind me of some old movies where they have truckloads of men usually people of color being mm. delivered to a construction site and to picked mm. for work for that day and then the work of those uh, meat processors do, I won't go into detail because they're rather gruesome. The mm. workers describe that the way they slice their meat repetitively and there's also a place called Q floor where I, I don't think I need to explain. Um, yeah, what happens? Um, it's where they actually end the life of the animal. <laughs> yeah. Um, the injuries that the workers have, it, um, but they cannot complain. Um, here I'm going to quote, despite mm. the pain, he is reluctant to complain to management. He's seen other workers make injury complaints only to be told any injuries were their, were their own fault. Mm. Uh, it goes on talking about how the uh, factory categorize individual workers. They have color stickers on their helmets to identify workers' vi- uh, visa status. So I'm quoting again here. Mm. The system allows supervisors to chase up problems with the relevant labor hire, 
but it also allows management to discriminate between workers. When production demands are low, they can pick out people on casual contracts and send them home. The helmet、mm. system also makes it easy for supervisors to identify Chinese on working visas. Shortly after he arrived in Australia, Jay said,、uh, "says that." Uh, there was a labor shortage at the arbitrage. He worked through both breaks, so he didn't eat. During the last shift of the day, he started feeling ill and asked the labor hire contractor on the side if he could go home early. In the car park, he got a call from the contractor. A supervisor got wind that one of the four five sevens—it's the visa number—had、yes. gone.、Yeah. The supervisor was saying, "Come back, or I'll send you back to China." Jay says,、mm. "He even said that we hire you four, five, seven from overseas to do the dirtiest and hardest work." So you could kind of imagine the abuses that these workers are getting,、uh, because、mm. they're pretty much being chained to that visa where they have to stay in with one employer for up to four yeah. years, yeah, in exchange for permanent residency. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the workers said that we all experience lots of yelling and shouting. Winnie, which is another、uh, meat process worker, she said、mm-hmm. that once the supervisor stopped the whole chain, and then he just started yelling at me because I was too slow. I really felt like crying because everybody was watching. At the very beginning, I thought about leaving, but then I changed my mind. I was like, "There's nothing I can do about it. Perhaps I will just work very hard." The article goes on、uh, about some historical data about sim- very similar incident happened in the late eighteen nineties where the labors were first imported from India and very、mm-hmm. treated badly throughout through labor disputes and even resulted a worker being killed by a dairy farm owner.、Uh, yeah. This dairy farm owner was like T M Palmer. <laughs> What if there's any relation to Clive Palmer? <laughs> yeah.、God. So the immigration policy changed for the skilled workers、uh, in two thousand and eighteen from the number four five eight to four eight two, while the old one remains、uh, in force.、Uh, however, there was inquiries due to a lot of complaints coming out from immigrant workers. There was a landmark Senate inquiry. It's called the National Disgrace. The exploitation of temporary work visa holders. It was conducted、mm. back in two thousand and sixteen against the backdrop of the media scandal. As the injury progressed, the ABC Four Corners released an episode of the exploitation of the backpackers in the meat work and on the farm. And later, together with the Fairfax Media, on the systematic underpayment of international students by Seven Eleven's outlet across the country, the same year, the Department of Immigration and Border Pro- Protection found that forty-two percent of temporary work sponsors were breaching their obligation. Wow! Right. Yeah. So the Fair Work Ombudsman also has reported in twenty nineteen to twenty twenty migrant workers. Only comprise of seven percent of the workforce, but they have the forty-four percent of the ombudsman's new litigations. So they have、right. almost half of the complaints, but you know, not even ten percent of the workforce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these people, like, how do they get hired? Uh, they usually will get hired through like the like I said the labor hire contractors 
and most of them from will be based in China. Will be based in China. There's a connection right. that was the the article has mentioned is Scott Shi. So he's a mm. rather uh, dodgy character as well. That he mm. established some recruiting companies, but he had owed a lot of tax uh, to Australian government, and even though that his uh, asset has been freezed, but they have. Follow up his account and saw millions of dollars being transferred overseas, mm, mm. and the Chinese workers, uh, some are stuck at the moment because they don't know um, whether or not that the the their employers will be able to will be able to apply for them their PR even right. though they yeah. worked for four years already, which is the term, the the time that they were supposed to work to have their permanent residency right, granted. Residence. Yeah, so it's like this arbitrage midway, sorry, midfield, and the government, the Department of Foreign Affairs, they're kind of like not taking the responsibility and accountability. Mm. Uh, on one side, the government is saying that oh, because you breach some of the policies, so we are not, we're probably not gonna give you the permanent residency for these workers. But the employers are saying blaming the government's changing of the policy constantly, so they couldn't mm. give the permanent residencies to these workers. Right. And while all this time, there's also been collective actions from the workers demanding um, mm. some answers. And during this time, of course, interventions of unions come in, so they have more protection, which is good. And because of the tensions that had built since just before pandemic. The initial group of Chinese workers who arrived in 2016 knew that their visas were going to expire in April or May last year,、mm, like、right. four years after the arrival. Some have, or they know that some of their friends who are from other abattoirs already received their PR, but they haven't.、Right. So the、yeah. the kind of the feeling that their uncertainty. They don't know what's gonna happen to their life, and most of them already have their family over. Like yeah, some will have、yeah. their kids growing up in、yeah. Australia for the past four years, yeah. And while I was reading、uh, *Mediocre: The Dangerous Legacy of White Male、um, Power*, there was a section I'm sure that you'll remember that they talked about how black labor in U.S. that they were needed to maintain a lot of agriculture industry, yeah. And they were also being hated. It's like this contradiction from the white people that. They want cheap, effective,、um, fast workers, but at the、mm. same time, they deny them to their community because of their skin color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty egregious, and I suspect also、um, with these Chinese workers in the abattoirs that there's also the Adelaide of、uh, language barrier. Exactly. Yeah, that's why they had they needed the the labor hire contractor or the recruiter、mm. to be there. In between them to translate, and I'm sure that there will be a lot of things that lost in translation, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I constantly think why people of color workers in the white in the white or Western countries is it because Asians who grew up in Asian Asia tends to be more obedient, following rules, or at least the ones、yeah. that went through the more authoritarian regimes of education that follows the、yeah. leaders and they don't question the authority. Yeah, because it's a um, it's the society is based on, um, uh, community community the sense it's a well, I mean, I mean the whole concept of individuality is foreign in Asian countries. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's all about community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of like a characteristics that this white employers might have taken up. And also the government as well. You don't see a lot of... The, in the article, it, it uh, kind of talked about some of the labor program that is from uh, recruiting Pacific Islanders yeah, or right. people from Southeast Asia to boost the economy of Australia. But you never really seen that they're trying to import other white people from other yeah, Western course. nations. Why? Yeah. Because white people don't want to do that kind of work unless that you pay them decently. But those employers are not willing to pay the decent amount mm. of money and they think that it is the easiest to exploit other yeah. group of, you know, people, people of colour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, what has been the outcome of this investigation? Well, at the moment, like I said, um, some of the workers have joined up the unions mm-hmm. and also there's an intervention from Migrant Worker Centre that's like a, I think it's a charity institution that's based in Victoria. So they're mm-hmm. helping them through to see if they can um, settle for another new visa to stay in Australia. Some of some workers actually just gave up and they returned to China because yeah. they just couldn't yeah. put up with it anymore. You, we're talking about workers... We're talking about people who actually have bachelor yeah. degrees. So yeah, they used yeah. to have um, office job or white collar job yeah. back in China. But because mm-hmm. there's this kind of opportunity in Australia, they have to take up a bit more laborious work. Yeah. Um, some pr- probably will be thinking that they will just want to escape the CCP yeah. <laughs> environment. Yeah. Some want to have a bit better future for their kids. Um, there was one worker said that he knows how competitive that uh, children are facing in China. And there was there's very limited option in China as well. So mm, he thought mm. that would be a good opportunity to come to Australia. Mm. But once they arrive here and we're talking about people who are not maybe in the lower to middle class in the socioeconomic subgroup. So they're not wealthy enough to like open a business. We see a lot of Asians open yeah. a business here, yeah. Yeah. which means that they will have to work for someone at yeah. the beginning. But it's not a job that they will be able to get your... You don't have the physical capacity to do that kind of job for like decades. Mm. So mm. four years is probably maximum. They're talking mm. about very repetitive, very physical kind of job. Um mm. Like in, what was that movie that we watched earlier this year? Minari, yeah. You know mm. how the the husband was saying that he doesn't want to stare at the chicken's butt for the rest of his life. Yeah. You know, yeah. very repetitive. That's why he wants to do something for himself. So we see a lot of migrant workers are pretty much similar as well. Maybe start for the first couple of years, very hard and laborious work and slowly moving into your own business or do something else that isn't mm. not that's not going to really consume your body that quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very harrowing the and very critical that we take into consideration these stories of these people who are largely in our media completely forgotten and invisible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. I feel really sad about it. It's mm. even thought that it's it's something that, like I said before when you were talking about Kate's book, that it's mm. not directly linked to us. This kind of story um, on the news. Or in a way. Yeah, I in a way. I feel like it is. Yeah. Like, do you eat meat? 
Yeah, I, I do. I do. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like people probably don't think there's a direct connection to them, but it, there is yeah. an indirect connection because oh, if we have this group of workers that everyone just goes on strike, think about、mm. the the logistic, the process、yeah. of a whole meat industry. Yeah. Has it? Has this story made you think about your meat consumption? Oh, I don't eat meat that much nowadays. Okay. Yeah, I mean,、mm. my family still does, but I still cook for them if they want to eat meat. But I try to eat less meat. Mm, mm. Yeah. So it does make you think.、Uh, exploitation in a lot of industries, particularly the agricultural industry in Australia. Mm. Um, it's particularly harsh on people of color because yeah, yeah. the industry needs them, but they're not treating them well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a really comprehensive summary of that article. And Helen, you're going to link it yes, in our show notes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I recommend everyone to read it. Yeah. yeah. And also, Helen, my it'll be good for you to also link that um seven a.m. episode as well. Yes. Definitely.、Mm. Yeah. Yeah, in the app, in the podcast, actually played a recording of the white employer abusing、right. the Chinese workers. Right. Yeah, that's、oh, pretty triggering. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Anything else? No, no. That's um. I think there's a、the、lot for us. To, yeah. Yeah. To think about in that, in that episode.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great to catch up. Yeah.、Mm. Hopefully, everyone staying safe in the lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make sure you take care of yourselves, guys. Definitely. That's the end of our episode. So remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. If you have enjoyed our show, please give us a five star rating and get share with your friends. Follow us on our Instagram for updates. So we'll chat to you next time. Stay safe and do yoga. Yeah. Stay home. Bye. Yeah. Bye.